0: This episode of A Little Juju Podcast is sponsored by Majestic Intentions. Majestic Intentions Sacred Instruments Shop is a Black-owned resource for all handmade jewelry, crystals, chakra healing, spirituality needs, and more. Check out their new summer collection at MajesticIntentions.com and use the code JUJU25 for 25% off your first order. Again, that's JUJU25 for 25% off your first order. Check out Majestic Intentions. Now, let's get into the show. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is, all you need, all you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. All you need is a little juju. A little juju. A little juju. A little juju is the way. It's how I start my day. Confirm no say. Confirm no say. And I'll never, never disappear. To the grave, but that ain't even my thing. I just stay at the crossroads pray. I just pour a little honey from my face to make them stay. Cause I hate when bay leaves but I manifest a little with my Baileys. I'm my ancestors' baby, so I give them everything that they gave me. Yeah, so I can't be stopped. Manifested everything gives me props. I'm spiritually rounded while I'm on the top. My spirit's surrounded, so I'll never drop. drop. As long as you keep your head to the sky, you can win. As long as you keep your head to the sky, be optimistic. <laughs> Welcome to A Little Juju Podcast. This is the podcast all about black-ass spirituality, honoring our ancestors and the divinity within us and getting free, using the ancestral tools as a means for healing and liberation. My name is Juju Bay, and I come to this show as the host, obviously, also as a medium, as a country conjurer, hoodoo practitioner, aborisha. And Bad Bitch Witch, Reverend Pasta, all the things. that's what I am. So excited, per usual, for another episode of this show today. Um, I have an interview episode, which will also be on YouTube for your viewing pleasures. So as usual, I have the full podcast that I do. But when I interview folks, you can watch the interview part on YouTube. So you can head on over to YouTube and watch my interview with Ade and Kweku, who will be talking about the Akan tradition, who will be talking about um, all the things I will get into their wonderful interview in a minute. But yes, yes, welcome. If this is your first time listening, hey, if, this, if you're a long time listener, you listen all the time. Hey, boo. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, so... Let me just get this out of the way because this has been on my spirit and I started off with the song optimistic from sounds of blackness because that has been the song that's grounding me because I'm trying and have I'm not trying I've been optimistic I'm being optimistic I'm being realistic in just the things that are happening in my life right now that feel very um a fucking annoying and have been stressing me out. Like I've been big stressed. I've been big stressed. And um, one of the things that had me big stressed, but now I'm being optimistic is that my Instagram page got disabled. So my Itch Jujube page where I had over 20,000 followers and a beautiful community. And it's where I talked about all of my things that were coming up in my classes and everything, it's gone. It's gone. And it's not gone forever. How do I know that? Because I'm keeping my head to the sky. (laughs) But basically there was somebody who was impersonating me and they were scamming people. They were scamming my followers. They were scamming y'all. Um, and, and DMing people thinking it was me, and they made a page very similar to my page name. People thought it was like my burner or like my other page. They had all my pictures up. And honey, they was telling people to hit them up on WhatsApp. And people did it. People did it. And people tipped them. And people lost money. And I have talked about it already on my on my backup page at A Little Juju Podcast. You can go follow me there for now. But um, it... it it really upset me, one, because y'all lost money. Two, because niggas is really scamming. And it's like, it's not even that I have a problem with scammers. I think that living in the we- in America, everybody is just scamming. one scam away. Everyone's just scamming. Everybody's scamming. But first of all, you just got to scam the right people. Like, you don't scam healers you don't scam community workers you don't scam people who are trying to be well like that's just i get your money but not like that like i just don't have no respect for that so i again want to apologize for the people who did get taken advantage of please know that i never have never will be soliciting clients I don't believe in soliciting clients. I don't think that anybody should be hopping in anybody's DMs, telling them what Spirit said, telling them, hey, if you need assistance, hit me up. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I just think that's tacky. Even if you did have a gift or you are like, you know, I want to share this with you, whatever. But I, I really, I personally think it's tacky. Um, and like, I have the episode with Alafia entitled "No Bob Allows in the DMs," where she talks about people who are. Babalaos or pretending to be Babalaos, which is a priest, um, reaching out to people and saying, hey, the spirits told me this, the Orisha told me this, pay me this, hit me up on WhatsApp and I'm going to do this offering for you and you'll be okay and you're going to get blessings if you pay me. That's not okay. That's not okay. So don't don't fall into that trap. It's not your fault because, like I said before, spirituality and religion is such a good place to to prey on people because people are wanting to feel good. They're wanting, they're committing to a wellness practice and journey, and so often it's like, yo, I will do anything to to just be well. I I, I want to connect to my ancestors. I will pay whatever amount of money. I will tie this I will tie that and then people get so trapped in that next thing you know you out of house and home like that's the dramatic part of it but that happens to people people have sold their house and cars and homes to for sacrifices to be made on their behalf they were promised certain things from spiritual leaders that they did not get. This is from the church, from the pulpit to African traditional religion. Scammers know no bounds. It is not just in Christianity that people be scamming and every and the and the pastor got got a private jet and the congregation ain't got shit. That is that happens in these traditions too very often. Very, very, very often. So we are not about that here. Be very careful of people doing that. Be very careful of people pretending to be other people like me and hitting you up. In the day. I don't do that, yo. That's not, that's not my, that's not my brand, honey. <laughs> it's just it's not, I don't even have the energy or time. I don't even do readings anymore because I was overwhelmed. What I look like hopping into my DMs and saying, I'm going to give you a reading, you know? So we got to be super, super careful. We got to be super careful Cause this is a, it's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope in this work and don't be so desperate for the healing or the connection that you will do anything. You follow your intuition, you reach out to your ancestors, you sit on it for a second and you follow that. Thank you to everyone who told me about the fake page. The fake page is down now. Um, I got so many people was like, Hey, I'm about to pay you, but wait, is this you just checking in or you reached out? Just want to make sure this is your other page. Um, So it was, it was a lot of people who did that. So yes, proud of you all. And again, apologies to the people who lost on money. I'm just asking for prayers to get my page back so I can go back to my regularly scheduled program. Um, But what I also want to say is that outside of all of this stuff happening, even though it's been annoying, like I've actually been handling it with a lot of grace because I'm like, I mean, what the fuck I'm going to (laughs) do? I mean, what I'm going to do about it, I just have to wait and I just, I just have to. It's a waiting game, so that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna wait and be patient and use my backup page and also just not be on Instagram for a little bit. But what I want to say to those of you who have businesses or you're trying to build up some clientele or whatever you may be doing on Instagram, this was a reminder for me and an affirmation for me that I have done good. In not having all of my stuff on social media, so if you are someone building out a business and you just have an Instagram or you just have a some type of social media platform, and maybe you don't have a website yet or something, it's okay if you don't have a full website. But think about some other ways to kind of get your, the word out about your business. Don't let don't put all your eggs in one basket, so that you don't have any other way to connect with your people, or or make your money because. Once Instagram decides your account is getting disabled for whatever reason, whether it's on accident or on purpose, or one day, if all this shit gets hacked and Instagram leaves forever, what will we do? What will you do? What will you do? So this was a reminder for me to be like, okay, let me make sure I got some things together outside of that. So my patrons, you know, I'm on Patreon. People hit me up there. Um, I I have Twitter. I had a backup page, thankfully. I have a website. So, you know, I've had to build these things out. It takes time. Don't feel pressured or like you're not doing well if if all your stuff is just on Instagram. I'm just reminding you to just be mindful that these, these sites ain't loyal. These sites ain't loyal. Okay. But if you got to connect at IG, if you got to connect at Facebook, please reach out to me. Um you can send me an email from my wa- my website, it's jujube.com or you can DM me on a little Juju podcast Instagram. Um or if you work at Facebook and Instagram and you can just get this this situation expedited for for me, I would deeply appreciate that. Um so, yeah, that that kind of blew me. <laughs> that definitely blew me. And other than that, it's just been, like, little stuff that hasn't really caused me any major shifts or, like, pain or sadness. But it's just been a, enough little things that have been very annoying to where I'm like, what the hell is going on? I have had to really... Tap into my Ori practice, which is if you don't know, you do know what an Ori is if you took my Orisha class or if you saw the playback on my Patreon.com slash Jujube because that's where I upload my classes that I teach after I teach them. You do know an Ori is, but an Ori is basically an Orisha, the orisha that is you, the Orisha that is your highest self, the orisha that was there with you before you came to be and that will be with you after you are. Like that is the orisha that travels with you, that cares for you and nurtures you and protects you. And we so often forget about that orisha, because you know, we like the other orisha. We wanna we wanna we wanna know what's going on with Shango, honey. We wanna know what's going on with Oshun. We wanna see what Yamuja got to say. But our ori is like the one that allows any of the other orisha and any of the other orishas to even come and bless us. So I have been really tapped into my ori and praying to my ori and talking to my ori and speaking over myself, praying to my head. Um, look up Ori prayers I think I've probably said this in an episode But look look that up If you take my class or on Patreon You see the Orisha class I will go into detail about our Ori And, and I, I provide a prayer for you all um, That we use in my LA But yeah you can find some stuff online And how to hold your head to pray to your Ori But that has been what's gotten me through y'all It's been my higher self It's been that connection to the Orisha That is within me um, My own it's almost like your own personal God connection. You know, that's kind of limiting what it is, but that's the easiest way I can say it in layman's terms. But my has were getting me through. So just wanting to remind you all that you carry an energy of of the divine within you. And it's not outside of you. So you can call on it. You can pray to it. You can activate it. Um, you can you can speak to it and ask it to protect you, to bring you blessings, to keep you in line to make sure that your mind is is clear and that it's open to receiving blessings, that it's not blocking out good things, that you're just you're just making decisions from your auric space and not your the part of you that's that's um, constantly second guessing or sort of existing in turmoil or trauma, which so much of us have experienced and have we get caught in making decisions from that place. And so tapping into our is saying, okay, I recognize that I have this part of me that makes decisions out of lack, but I also have divinity. So make, okay, can we just make sure I'm making decisions from divinity? And then that's, that's, that's the work. So I've been really trying to do that and it's been helpful. And I think that's why I've been able to, even though a lot of different just things have been thrown at me, I've been able to move through it through some ounce of grace and like, calm and not getting too worked up over shit I can't control, you know, because I I just can't. Um, Last thing I want to say is about my classes. So shout out to everyone who tuned into Hoodoo 101 a few weeks ago. Um, Shout out to those of you who were at my Orisha class last Monday. I also have a class coming up that is exclusively for black people. Um, that class is on September 21st from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And it's basically a class where we talk about spiritual tools and healing techniques on how black people can care for themselves in an anti black world spiritually. So you can sign up with that class. I will put the show in the show notes. I'll put a link to sign up. The class is $15. 25% of the proceeds will go to the OCRA Project, which is an organization that seeks to address the global crisis faced by Black trans people specifically um, around food and meals and resources. And then 25% of sales will also be given to um, this organization called Baltimore Ceasefire, which is an in, in Oregon Baltimore that seeks to Disrupt the narrative that Baltimore is this dangerous murderous place and they also do vigils and healing rituals for every every single person who was murdered in Baltimore City and I've had the pleasure of meeting um, Erica who who helps organize and runs Baltimore ceasefire and hopefully we'll have her on an interview at some point so yeah sign up for that class if you are black if you are not black and you still want to donate um some money towards the class, feel free to just buy a ticket and don't come. (laughs) Don't come, but you can pay $15 and your money's going towards um, these wonderful organizations and then me. And also just to be able to put together a good class for for us black folks. And um, I think that is it. That's all I wanna say. Oh, um, I need to get better with email marketing. Again, with this whole Instagram fiasco, I'm like, okay, I have a website I have people's emails. I could be sending out emails about the classes. I could be telling people better, you know, who don't have Instagram, et cetera. Like I could just, I could be better about that. So I'm trying to get on my, I'm talking to my friend who's good at email marketing. So sign up, go to my website and you can sign up for, to keep, stay up to date with what I've got going on because, you know, right now I'm a little social media, out of social media. So let's get into that email marketing, honey. Let's, let's, let's do the thing. So that's it. Let's get into donations and then um, we will get into the show. All you need is a little juju. The little juju podcast is written, hosted, and crafted by me, Juju. And this process is a labor of love, but it is labor nonetheless because podcasting ain't free. It takes time, energy resources money so that I can pay people to help me finally I have a little bit more resources to do that and I'm able to do that because people donate Um, it is a few ways to donate to the show all of them are important I will start with the monetary ways and then we'll get into the non-monetary ways to support this work So the first monetary way that I'll mention is through Patreon, which is a site that allows you to contribute to the show monthly. So on the first of the month, Patreon automatically takes out whatever you choose to donate, which will range from $1 to as many dollars as you want. I have some suggestions on my Patreon. And based on the level that you donate is the level of content or things that you'll receive from me via Patreon, which includes exclusive deals videos. Sometimes I do readings. Sometimes I do workings for specific patrons. It just depends. Okay. So big shout out to my patrons. Shout out to Olivia Jade for editing your pledge and still being a patron. I appreciate you, Olivia. Shout out to Rona Taylor, Alexis, Shabina, Yomalis, Jonna Kyles, Brittany Gale. Shout out to Deirdre for upping your pledge Shout out to Kasai McDonald, Neve. Shout out to Demris, hey boo. Shout out to Fatou Sila for editing your pledge and still being a patron. Shout out to Amanda York, Jalen Britt, Trinay. Shout out to Ivy Lachelle, Anija Green. Or Anaja Green. Shout out to Effortlessly Z. Thank you for becoming a patron. Shout out to Chaz Pirtle. Daniela Boyington-Warmack. Haley Warren. Franken Wee-Me. Thank you. Shout out to Risa for editing your pledge and still being with me. Thank you. Shout out to Joe Living. Kayla Sharay, Keisha Filtered Food. Wealth is health. Twenty, hey boo! Shout out to Fantasia J. How got it? Uh, sorry. Shout out to Amethyst Carey, Kara, Sarah White. Shout out to Asia W for editing your pledge and still being with me. Shout out to Dawana Daleplexis for editing your pledge. Shout out to Shawana Scroggins. And hold on, I got some more now. Y'all, y'all done came through. Cause I done put these classes up. <laughs> shout out to Ariana Hollands, Monster Magic, Ashley, Aja Nile, Brittany, Adrian Marie, Sophia, Aliyah, Aaliyah or Aaliyah Johnson, Jamie Fleming, Divine, shout out to Takara Griffin. Kaya Crawford, Dalton Jones, Jesselyn Brown, Dion Hills, Grace Obey, Obey, I think it's Obey, shout out to you Grace, thank you, shout out to Jessica Noel for upping your pledge, shout out to Charlize Dawson, Just LaShawn, Dion Hills, and that is all my patrons this time around. I appreciate you. I love you. I value you. I speak the energy of abundance, wealth, financial wealth, whatever type of wealth it is that you need in order to do the work that you are doing. I speak that over you as you share it with me. I do not take the energy of money lightly. So I'm just, we are just sharing it back. It's a currency. You you send me some juju. I send you some juju. You send me some juju. That's how it works here. So I'm speaking that abundance and blessings over you, that you have the tools and resources and things and people that you need and let it all align so that you can do and act and be in alignment with your best self, your highest self, the work that you came here to do that we all need. So speaking that over you, I thank you. I value you. I appreciate you and get your get your coins get your coins and also shout out everyone who always hits me up on the cash app hits me up on the paypal on the venmo i appreciate you just as much and i always say a little prayer for you thank you and if you are interested in the non-monetary ways to donate to the show, which are just as important, shout me out. Tag ALJ Pod, tag Jujube on social media, put people on to the show, tell them what this podcast is and what it's about. Comment, subscribe so that I pop up when a new episode comes out. So you already are hip and you know. Just let people know about the show. You can rate five stars on Apple or whatever platform that you are using and just help me spread the good juju gospel. I appreciate everyone who always tags and tells me they're listening and puts people onto the show. I deeply, deeply appreciate that as well. All that information will be in the show notes. So now let's get back into the show. All you need is a little juju. So I'm very excited about today's interview, which you can pause this and go watch if you'd like to on YouTube. Um, I'm interviewing Ade and Kweku, and both of them were raised in the Akan tradition of Ghana, are the Akan people of Ghana. So very excited to get some new perspectives on here. I've never interviewed anyone from the Akan um, religion. And then they also talk about Orisha tradition, specifically Ade is an initiated... Obata La Priest So we're also going to get some Orisha Juju And also just talking about healing um, I've had a, a handful I would say of black men Like cis black men reach out to me And be like hey love your work Love what you do love your interviews Do you know any brothers you know any niggas Do you know people to come in?" And I was like um Not really Kind of but not really Not, not enough people that I knew and, and trusted enough to bring their work onto this podcast. So, you know, I don't just interview anybody. Like, I, got, I know you, you gotta be referred or something. And, um, Ehime, who we stand on this show, actually had posted something from Quake, who I think and I followed and then, I followed their work. I got in contact with them. I actually talked to Ade specifically a few times. And then, boom, it just happened. And it was such a, a wonderful interview. So this is for all the people, all the guys who have ever reached out to me. It was like, can you bring some brothers on the show? Like, we want to hear how to connect. We want to. I got y'all. And, I mean, this interview is for everybody. Like, I think everyone will be able to take some, whether it's historical knowledge, some healing knowledge, some whatever knowledge from from both of them because they're so wise and just they just cool like they cool as shit um, you will definitely be able to get something but I was thinking about like okay I've had some black men reach out to me like let me just go and see what see what, what the juju you know and, and I didn't even go searching for it I didn't I said it'll happen when it happens so it happens when it happens um so yeah we'll just talk about some, some good stuff we get into some good questions they provided some wonderful answers and yeah, so sit back, relax, and enjoy, and uh, yeah, let's let's just get into it. All you need is a little juju. Hey, y'all. Welcome to A Little Juju Podcast, and we are doing our juju tube, a.k.a. YouTube, interview today with Ade and Kwaku, who I'm so excited to be here. Um, I actually found out about you all through my friend Ahime, Ahime- Ia, excuse me, Ia, and <laughs> Ia had posted, um, I think it was something that Kwaku said, and I think it was a proverb, African proverb, and I was just like, oh, he's spitting, let me follow. And then I found Hide, and I found they were brothers, and I was like, oh, they both be spitting some real stuff on here. So I followed them, and then... That's then. Now we're here, Um and it has been. It's such an honor because I think a lot of men reach out to me who do listen to the show. And my show is probably more centered on Black women, but men have been like, "Hey, I like your show. You know, some guys doing something like, can you can you see where the brother's at?" I'm like, "All right, I, I am gonna try to be that because I think it's important." So I think besides my godfather, y'all are the only guys I've had on an in interview. So. Um, it's super meaningful. So, thank you and welcome. Yes,
1: thank thank, you, for yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you
2: for having us. It's yeah. an absolute pleasure.
0: Cool, cool, cool. So, tell me about yourselves. Who are you? What What is your names? What are your titles? What do you do?
2: You I, I, I'll, I'll let you go first. Go
1: um, okay. So, my name is uh, Kweku Kwe. Um Title, I guess, would be Okunfo. Um, and that basically is um, one of the types of priests in uh, Khan culture. Um, so I kind of, I grew up in that, um, but I recently completed my training, or at least the first part of my training, this is lifelong training. So, so I completed the first part of my training, you know, recently. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's, that's a little intro to who I am. You know, I, I study, uh, African wisdom, you know, a lot. I love it. Um, I use it on a daily basis to help just, just guide myself, you know, through everything. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're gonna learn more about me too, as we talk. So,
2: <laughs> so, um, my name is Adetayo. Um, I guess technically you would call me an Olosha. Um, I initiated to Batala Um, in 2013, uh, in Kuta, Nigeria. It's been that long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been about seven years. Um, wow. Training to at some point uh, be a Babalawo. Um, at some point in life, so that's in the works um
0: yeah okay so are you do you both practice in orisha tradition and akan or no
1: technically yeah, yeah. um so so our father is akan primarily mm-hmm. um and so we grew up akan so i've been initiated into that low key we did initi- I did initiation to the um, to the drums in mm-hmm. yoruba, so yeah yeah technically absolutely. i am initiated into yoruba stuff as well but he you know has done, you know, the the other parts of it. Um, but at some point, I'll go. I'm a child
2: of Ogun, mm-hmm. and
1: so at some point, I got to do that initiation down the line, mm-hmm. but, you know, bit by bit, so. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, like, um, I primarily practice Ifa, but because I grew up in an Icon household, right. I do both. I mean, in my household, my wife is also in a Kung Fu, mm-hmm. so we have a mixture of, like, right. Yoruba shrines, Icon shrines. Right. right. But I really... Don't see much of a separation. Yeah, you know, I just see it as different yeah. expressions of spirit. So it's not a hard line for
0: me. Right. Okay. So I'm curious, you both said that you grew up Akan. So what does that mean? What does your, like mm. walk us through a little bit of what your childhood looked like in that space?
1: Mm. Wow. So that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, so, go ahead. I mean, so amongst Akon, so like the Yoruba will have like the Bimbe, right? You come, you drum, you know, maybe Aisha will come down. For us, we call it Akon. And so that's one of the major things. Um, so growing up consistently, Akon, 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 with the, the, the deities, the busum, the orisha were coming down. Um, and so engaging like that. And so, you know, just honestly from our names, at least me and some of my brothers, our names having Akon names, going through Akon naming, you know, naming rituals, um, following the traditional Akon calendar. Like we have a 42 day month and we have that cycle we follow and there's certain rituals we do on certain days. Um, like I said, my dad's a priest. And so certain times we go, we have to feed our shrines. We have to do this work. Um, even like the Akan New Year, typically will more so fall around like September. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's a big festival we celebrate at that time We call it Ojira, which is like a cleansing festival. Right. And so there's a number of different festivals that we have um, for different purposes. And so kind of throughout just growing up, just participating and engaging in these various things, um, you know, learning, learning Akan kind of language, Akan kind of language, learning the songs, the, the drumming, um, just various parts of it. You know, it was just kind of integrated into a lot of stuff we did.
2: Yeah, and I, I guess the point I would just add is that I think the philosophy of not seeing a separation between these cultures, I think, came from my parents because while he, I think, my parents always knew that he was on the track to being a komfo. But for me, like, when I was born, um, and this is before my father became a priest in Akon, this is back when he was living in New York, he went to a Babalao um, to get my name, to do a traditional esentai uh, naming ceremony. So they gave me a long Yoruba name, and they would send me to do Yoruba stuff. Like, I was when I was 18, they sent me to a Lao and they were like, yo, you got to get this divination done. Yeah. At the time, I didn't want to hear none of that. Like, they were like, <laughs> you got to cut go. your hair at some point. <laughs> I had just... My locks had just got long. I was full of myself. I'm like, man, I ain't trying to cut my hair. Uh But all that to say that they never saw the separation. They kind of pushed us in different directions.
0: Okay. That's amazing. So there really wasn't a moment where, I mean, just talking to a lot of people now, they transition from a tradition to another, or maybe Mm -hmm. we're practicing something more Abrahamic and then they're actually just trying to figure it out now. You all actually were born into um, African traditional religions and understanding so there was so you're saying there was actually no transition from something like that
2: yeah i was generational
1: yeah yeah it's it's exactly it like our parents and and on one side our grandparents did that work so they were the ones who so at first they went from christianity to islam and then it was like okay well from islam you know what's the the, what's the next step that we have to take um and so our parents took that step like my dad grew up in the church. I think he was an altar boy and everything, but I think when he got to college and a little bit after that, after he married my mom, they began to see, okay, well, what's the the things that we need to be, what's the next step we need to take?
2: Yeah, I was about to say, like, my dad's from Haiti, so, you know, most Caribbeans, very, like, Christianity is very, very entrenched, so he grew up very deep in that, Mm -hmm. but there's some, like, aunts and great aunts from Haiti who have... Uh, voodoo names. Um, right. Like as an aunt that has Azuli in her name. Yeah. And so there's hints that like, okay, she practiced. But like he said, you know, it was a transition. At first, my grandparents weren't exactly the most welcoming to it. Like when my when my, my father came home, like, yo, know, we're doing this African thing, You're also a vegetarian. And so, you know, <laughs> that's not exactly Haitian culture either. So at first, they were like, eh. And on the other side, like he said, they come from the deep south. My mother's family right. come from the deep south. And so when my grandmother was like, she met my grandfather, she was, Well, she was selling beauty products, right? (laughs) like hand-straining stuff, door-to-door. She met my grandfather. He started kicking some consciousness, and she was like, wait a minute. So she kind of left all of that deep church, deep uh, Southern stuff. They moved to New York and started getting into Islam. So generational work.
0: Okay, I see, I see. Wow, that's very fascinating. Um, I could keep talking about that, but I'm like, (laughs) I got other questions. We got a lot. Okay, so I do want to talk about a con culture, because no one else that I've interviewed has... No, yeah, no, no. So y'all would be the first. So can you just tell me a little bit about what the cosmology looks like?
1: So first I would like to give a little history, right? Mm-hmm. First. So when it comes to Icon culture here in America, um, just as a lot for African Americans here, um, with Yoruba culture, a lot of it's traced back to Tunji village. Um, with uh, Bamba, um, Osaki, Osaki, I, right? Fum, the first. Yeah. right, and so he kind of was at least for African Americans seen as like the godfather of of Yoruba culture, right? And so for Akan people, his actually his friend and contemporary is Nana Yaw Aparadini the First, um, and he it was the person who basically returned Akon culture over here. He went to Ghana he had a, 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 um, a drum and dance ensemble. He took like a whole bunch of people, like 200 people to Ghana. When he got there, I think he was meeting with the, um, uh, the president, Kwame Nkrumah, at the time. Somehow he got connected with a priestess over there, and basically it was through divination that it came up that he was a descendant of her family lineage and that he, was, he had returned to bring back the shrines to Africans in America. And so there he brought back the shrine and I and Kofi, AC and I think Nana Tigere, I can't remember um but from there kind of the Akan A- A- culture begins to proliferate throughout um uh, America so basically anyone who does Akan culture whether directly or indirectly can be traced to um Nana Yao. inside of America inside of America in, in, the- in America um and so in terms of cosmology Akan culture primarily is built on duality between the physical and the spiritual. And that's pretty much all African culture. Yeah. But that's very, very you know important in recognizing that while we're very physical, we do have a spiritual component. And so for the human, a, a, a person, there are three, maybe four primary parts that are recognized. You have the moja, which is considered the blood. You have the sunsun, um, the sun, which is considered like the spirit. And then you have the okra, which is the the soul. The okra is said to come from onyame, who is the creator, Olodumare, olodumari, right? Um, then you have the sunsun. Sun. Some people say the sunsun, sun, the spirit comes from the father's side, and then the moja comes from the mother's side. And so you can see it's onyame, the mother, the father, and they, the the, the three of them coming together represents creation and and, and, and everything, right? And so that balance is, is extremely necessary. And basically in anything that we do, we give recognition to Onyami Because we recognize that we come And go,
2: you know, from Onyami um, Yes, it's ahead. a little bit Because you explained this to me Because Akan culture is a little bit more his specialty But you explained to me how it's actually A little bit different than things are here In the sense that Akan culture is traditionally matriarchal right. so, so in that breakdown that he gave Your blood coming from your mother mm-hmm. So like, I believe Property and other things yep. All come through your mother's line And right. the idea is that Your mother's family i don't want to say your father's family not your family but your mother's family is where your blood comes from so it's yeah so like you'll even like your uncle your mother's brother
1: right those are the ones who will be considered your uncles right and they are a lot of times have a very very big influence on what happens in your life that doesn't mean your father you know side doesn't but there's a special role that the father's side plays Mm -hmm. so the father's side while the mother's side is called the ebusia, which is the family The father's side is called either the intro or the intone. And that's, some people say the matcher clan, the mother's side, and the patcher clan, the father's side. And so the patcher clan has a very special role in like the spiritual and the character development of the child, right? And so the father's side will have, and this is very, very traditional, the father's side will have a particular bosom that represents all the people connected to that father's side and that, that deity, that bosom will watch over all of the children who are attached to it and so it's very important they they say like if you don't know your father you're kind of missing out on that protection Mm. because you don't know because there's rituals that you will go and do you know to make sure that your soul is being cleansed and you're being protected in this way the mother side it has its role you know and so kind of just recognizing these various balances to make sure as we move through life things are being taken care of appropriately yeah, so I think I mean that's a little that's a little bit. Um, there are some books if you want to read more on it. Um, can I can I just add oh, something ahead, to that why? too?
2: But but very similar to uh like Ifa Orisha culture, mm-hmm. like there's the creator, There's uh Onyame Odumankama, right. um different names that the creator is known by. There are different uh, deities, like you said, called bosum, very similar to Orisha. Mm-hmm. Um, there's ancestor work that's done. Right, exactly. I mean, we have some different concepts, like Egbe rune and right, Ori right. and stuff like that are not exactly present, but a similar lot of stuff structure. Is, a lot
1: of stuff ends up being the same. Okay. You know, you, you have the divina- You have your divination systems. Mm-hmm. You have your way of going and asking those questions, right? You have when the, the, the bosum, the Orisha come down, you have what happens there. Um, So for us, we have, you know, you would call okunfwa, and that's a person who specifically trains to allow the bosun, the deity, to come and sit on them, Mm -hmm. right? So they're possessing them, they're doing work, and and so on. Then you also have people who are like odusini, which are like the herbalists. They know. The herbs and they, yeah. it's like, it's they like with
2: it. Yeah, those are like would be similar to what we call Baba Losha, Losha, exactly, or uh, um, or Losayan, like exactly. priest of Osayan, exactly, with herbs and stuff, yeah. right? And so it, it, it goes it. out. Say that say, again. Who might not know what and
0: Baba look? Can you say what that is?
2: Yeah, Baba Losha is like, um, uh, basically a, a male priest of uh, any particular Orisha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's just so that's I use that term because like that's one that's like in Nigeria and you say that in Cuba, babalosha Ialocha, Ialocha would just be the female priest of orisha and but osain is like a particular orisha that deals heavily with herbs, herbs and plants and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. so the osain people they know about a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of different herbs which is the equivalent of yeah the yeah. Odensini that he said yeah the
1: Odensini. And, and that literally translates as something like de- dealing with a piece of a tree and so it's it's very very connected you know yeah. to to the forest and so on so right.
0: Yeah, that does sound very um, similar to Orisha tradition. I guess I'm wondering, and I don't even know how to ask this question, but what does that look like in 2020 practice mm-hmm. for you all um, practicing ancient traditions? You know, as Black men now, what is mm-hmm. what does that look like day to day for you all? Ooh, that's a yeah,
2: that's a that's question. That's, that's <laughs> a heavy question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. These, these are the important questions. I mean, these are things that we discuss every day. It's it's hard in some ways because. So I'm going to try to, I always like to like give some framing points, but like, I really think there's not that much of a separation between what's spirit and what's culture. And so like, if you take a con culture, you're about culture, it's very integrated into a certain lifestyle, man. You know, like people don't spend 24 seven inside a concrete traditionally, you know what I'm saying? And you, if, if, if you live it off the land and you're just connected in a certain way, sometimes it can become difficult to, to replicate that you know, um, here, like something like you gotta, you gotta, you are on your computer all the time. You gotta go to work, you gotta do all this stuff. Like, okay, how do I make sure I do my right. four day orisha calendar and I'm <laughs> yeah. going to see my orisha at the right time? It's difficult. Also, something that's actively frustrating to me is like the way people study traditionally back home, man. Like, yeah. you know, one of my, um, uh, Uluo's in Nigeria, one of my teachers in Nigeria, like he lived with his teacher for 11 years, like he, he studied a lot at home. He's a Baba Lao. He studied a lot at home. Then he then, we, then he went and lived with his teacher for 11 years and studied with him. Then he went and traveled and studied. And so like for me, it's like, yo, I want to get to that level of expertise. Right. But like, how do I do that mm-hmm. being over here? So I don't, it's so all I have to say. I don't have all the answers, you know, so it's a, it's a give it's and take. You do what you can. Right. It's, I mean, definitely the,
1: a different environment will cause you to find different ways of doing certain mm-hmm. things. But for me, I think one of the major things that we have to do, we talked about the herbs. So making sure that you grow your herbs. And as you go through that process, going from seed, you know, to, to plant that you can use the fruit and it's reproducing, you begin to see things and connect. Yeah. Right. Like so we just we just got some plants Um, in your body, call it a um bitter leaf or um how do you call it it's like I want you know but that's that's a herb that can be a lot of it's eaten in West Africa and that's just it's one of them super herbs honestly Mm -hmm. you know it can be used for a lot of stuff but I also have other plants that I'm growing that I use in my shrine work right and so by growing it that allows us to connect right um and just honestly trying to be as connected to what we call Asasia, the earth as much as possible so if you have the time and you got like a, a state park next to by your in your neighborhood trying to go to the park and just just walk around, you know, learn the plants that are there, you know. Um, but yeah. also, I think these traditions have, so we're very used to the Gregorian calendar. And that is kind of the, the way we shape time. It's like, okay, we do this on this time. So what is the traditional calendar of your system that you practice so the Akan, we have our 42, we have like nine 42 day cycles that make up a year for us. And we have certain days in that cycle. We have what we call Gaboné, which is like a, a holy day, right? And so that's a day you do particular shrine with either for your ancestors or for your shrines or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so making sure you follow that, finding that out, following it so that you know, you're know you not just existing in kind of this Western format of, of time, right? But you're existing within side of
2: your own culturally relevant uh, a format of, of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was about to say, like, today, I know we got the, like, the four-day cycle, and then I believe it's 16 or 17 days. But, like, I mean, you, you know, being in the tradition, like, you're supposed to visit certain shrines on certain days. And today, you know, it's a day to visit al or u mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to do that. It's, it's it, You know, it's hard to with, with, with the see if everything else is going on. But something that one of my teachers told me, like, Kind of checked me a little bit because he was like, "Yo, you've yo, you been on your stuff," and I was like, "I've been slipping a little bit." since was years ago. He was like, "Look, you got to remember that this is the center of 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 your life, and everything else is not that it doesn't matter, but it's an extension of that." So, like, you go the shrines are giving you the other stuff, not the other way around. You're mm-hmm. not the other stuff, not the center, and then you kind of sprinkle right. the shrines on the other side. You know, mm-hmm. so that put me in place. Yeah, it just caused oh, you to flip everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know you, you, I mean, is it, you know, is it ever a challenge for you? Like, I know I've seen you posting your stories like you have been growing some stuff maybe. Oh
0: yeah. You know? a ton of stuff. Um, I think that's what grounds me. And it's funny y'all talking about this and going to the land and going to the park because I pulled a card today. Ooh, Hold on. Cause I might have to grab it. Cause I, I just <laughs> like it's just so in alignment and I don't want to say it incorrectly, but yeah, I cool could probably say it, but this is the card that I pulled today.
1: Ah, uh, Asasiyah Yeah, the earth has weight, yep. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And so I was reading about Asasiyah Dru and mm-hmm. what it means to just taking care of the land and being in connection to Mother Earth and all that. And I don't know, is this a deity within a contradiction?
1: So that's an Dinka a symbol, right. right? And so the acon have a system of writing that express certain ideas. And so that would be, so As- Asasiyah is it could be seen as a deity, but that literally is like Mother Earth, right? Mm-hmm. So as, as I say, Earth, and Yah represents that. At least for certain Akan people, she was born on a Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. So each day you have a particular name. So like, Kweku, I was born on a Wednesday. Yah or Yao is Thursday, right? So that's what that's representing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay, that and so, like, I mean, in, in Akan culture, like, there's the reverence and connection to the land, right? To these natural sources, is paramount like there's a uh, my favorite proverb it's actually a riddle it's played on the drums it says so basically it's saying the road crosses the river the river crosses the road which is the eldest and it repeats that and then it said Um, We created the road to go and and encounter the river. The river is from ancient. The river is from Odumakuma, the one who is like bountiful, the one who created all things. And so it's giving recognition. It's like the Esul, the river was there before anything else. The road was created by either us or some other thing coming and creating it. But the river, that's the thing that was from ancient. It's from the beginning of creation. Mm -hmm. And so when we come and engage with it, we have to give the appropriate respect to it. I mean, you can see with all the pollution and, and things like that is happening. There's an
2: imbalance that is occurring right now. Didn't you say something he mentioned to me, which I thought was interesting, was like traditionally you don't do certain work to yep. to disturb the earth on a Thursday because yeah. the, the earth was born on a Thursday, you yeah. know? And then like even growing up in an icon household, you know, back to the question, like I remember like whenever we want to cut down a tree or do anything to like take a branch from a tree, take some leaves, we'd have to offer an egg. Maybe say a prayer or do something like that, but some sort of offering to that tree. So I think it's very rooted in our con culture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And even just a lot of African or diasporic traditions too, because they're like, in hoodoo, Mm -hmm. I'm leaving some pennies. If I take something out the ground, I got to leave Exactly.
2: Exactly. Mm -hmm.
0: That's powerful. Okay, so you did mention Proverbs. So I do want to transition a little bit into that because um, that's how I found you all. You all were reciting Proverbs. You have little proverb battles. We go back and forth. And they're not just a con. They're just different African uh, Proverbs. So how did that start? And um, I know you words from yesterday is your Instagram where you posted different Proverbs. But where did that idea come from? Why did you think it was important to do that?
2: Mm. Man, so I think Proverbs have just always been a part of our upbringing. So I, I, it's like three distinct stages, I guess, that I remember. I remember just like being in the household, like, you know, because um, we grew up here, you know, um, Black American households, proverbs are very big. Like, all kind of stuff, you know. Uh, hard head makes a soft behind. You know, I posted right. one other day, God don't like ugly. You know, all, all all these things. So we grew up with those being said to us all the time. Um, then when we went to school, we went to this African-centered school. Our teachers would write proverbs in the board every day. We'd have to discuss them. And then I think when we went through, like in our community, we go through this rite of passage, manhood training processes they have for men and women. When we turn 14, that's when you really got to dive into it. And that when we had to memorize hundreds of Proverbs, like that was a part of our uh, graduation process. And throughout it, you know, you're getting like, uh, you will be a bit under pressure, yeah. you know, under pressure, like, you know, you got to recite your 10 Proverbs. Here's a topic, you got to say it. And so I think uh, a few years ago, because we've been helping out with that program maybe for the last 15 years, they were like, okay, we need y'all to teach Proverbs. And so we're spending years teaching these kids Proverbs and going over with the boys. We're seeing how much they love it. And then I think for us, the moment came in like, you know what, these Proverbs are so useful for us. Like, why don't we just share it? You know, And so we were like, "Let's, let's, let's try to find a medium to do that. And so that's where, you know, words from yesterday came in. But all that to say, like the foundation is like, it's extremely useful for us even if I wasn't doing words from yesterday. I'd be reciting these proverbs every yeah. morning, you yeah. know, and they yeah. come to me. So yeah, yeah. Did you
0: want
2: to add
1: anything quick? To it? Um, I mean, for African, like African culture, whether on a continent or in, in the diaspora, it, it it revolves around words because we recognize how words have power, mm-hmm. right? And so proverbs kind of are a way to encapsulate wisdom. And so it's literally anytime you say Proverbs, you're transferring wisdom from one person to another. Mm-hmm. You're, you're speaking wisdom out into the world. And so like a lot of cultures, like if you come and you start misusing Proverbs, people will look at you traditionally like you may have been. they may have been some actual repercussions, but people will look at you like you're misusing your words. Mm-hmm. Like Why are you just just saying anything? Like, There's a proverb. Words are like eggs and they drop, they shatter. Right. And so if you if you're being useless when they drop and they go everywhere, they go to this place and that place, there's going to be things that occur. And so you have to be very specific about what you're saying, how you say it, when you Mm -hmm. say it and all those various things.
2: Mm -hmm. Even, man, even a a pretty cool story, like just seeing how the proverbs are played on the drums and how seriously people take it. One story comes to mind. One of my brothers uh, who (laughs) had just got back from Nigeria, he had been studying traditional bata. Uh, in Nigeria for a summer or whatever And one of our professors at Howard He was an old, you gentleman And he was like, so, he, so, so our friends teach us the proverb And it was a proverb like Yeah, like 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 so he teaches us how to play And he's like, the professor walks up He's like, watch this, I'm gonna play a proverb All he plays is the first part on the drum dun, 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 dun. And the professor repeats the rest of it back Just Ooh, because yeah. he, he came up, I guess in the old times Where proverbs were so big that all he had to do was just hear the sound, you know. So I think that speaks to how ingrained it is in the culture. Wow.
0: That's powerful. I'm curious if y'all could say um, two proverbs each, some of y'all,
1: y'all favorite ones. Ah, you want to go first? Uh, <laughs> Try to put me on the spot first. <laughs> it's not that I school. Okay, okay. I think one of my favorite proverbs is, um, it's an con one, and it says, <laughs> and it says, the elephant is big but the nation is owned by Adu'ah. And it's like either antelope or another type of mm-hmm. animal like that. And basically that proverb speaks to the fact that while there may be things that are very majestic, you know, the qua- like the like it's more so the quality, the character of a particular thing that determines its ability. So mm-hmm. it's not always the physical might that is the most important thing, but some of the internal qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one is, hopefully I say this right, it's, it's another icon proverb that says, and, and it says that it is the bird of the forest that does not know rice is an edible grain, but not the bird of the grassland. And this one basically says: if you're from a particular place, you know the rules, the, the regulation, and what you should and shouldn't do. But if you're coming from somewhere else, you're not, you're not gonna know, right? And so to me, that kind of speaks as. Like if you're from somewhere, you know what you're supposed to do. So do that. Do it well. Do it correctly. Mm-hmm. Now if you're coming from another place, we we recognize there may be some things you don't know, but at a certain point, you have to learn that thing too,
0: right? right?
1: So that's that's to me two of my favorite proverbs that I say a lot to myself. So
0: mm,
2: those are powerful ones. Okay, I gotta follow that up. Proverb
0: um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let me see. Uh, so I'm still learning my Yoruba, so I ain't gonna be able to say it as good as he did. Uh, but. In English, it, the, the main part of the proverb says, Sudu ni which is basically said, uh, uh, patience is the father of character. But I think I the, said, the whole proverb says, anger accomplishes nothing. Patience is the father of character. An elder who has patience has all things. I and said, that comes from the Odu uh, Um But that one, I love that one so much because one of my birth names means patience, Sabor. Um, but there's a story that goes with that one. It's a little bit too long to tell, but essentially, Uh, In this story, um, Arumila does a favor for the vulture, I think. And then the vulture goes and tells the creator, Olodumare. Olodumare is like, "I present Arumila with three gifts. And so he presents him with uh, patience, long life, wealth, and the blessings of children. So he has them all in these gourds, right? And he's like, Arumila, you can only pick one, and I'm going to take the rest back with me. And so Arumila goes back and forth for a long time. Everybody tells him different things. His, he has two wives. They, they tell him to pick, nah, pick long life, pick uh, mm-hmm. blessings of children, pick wealth or whatever. So he goes, he consults, he finds like, pick patience. So he picks patience. The rest of them go back to heaven. And then slowly they start to miss their friend patience. So slowly long life starts to be like, man, I miss my friend. Oludumari, God, can I please go down and be with my friend patience? So long life goes down. Omela has both of those. Then uh, wealth goes down. So long story short, that's one of the stories that explains why, if you first choose patience, you'll have all things. So, for me, that's always a reminder like, look, do the work that you got to do. It's not saying just sit idly, but right. you, 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 you got to have patience. Things take time. Um, so, that, that, that one, not to go too much into that, but that's one of my absolute favorite ones. Let me see another one. Um, ooh, okay. This is an Igbo proverb. This one says, if a medicine man is not careful, uh when looking up in the sky, he'll fall into a pit below. And so that one, I love that one because it kind of grounds me. It reminds me that like, look, because what are medicine men concerned about? Medicine men, medicine women, they're concerned about divine occurrences. They're concerned about spirit. And so it's kind of saying like, if you're just, if that's the only avenue in which you're concerned with and you pursue things, then you may run into some issues, right? So it reminds me that, yeah, say my prayers, do my shrine work, but then I got to actually like, I gotta use my own wisdom, my own eyes. I gotta deal with what's practical. I gotta use my hands, Ooh. my feet, everything. So this, Child, this first of happen.
0: all, don't be reading now. Don't be <laughs> reading. This is an interview. You're right, <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> um, that's beautiful. That's it's so beautiful. Um, so you told me yeah. that you all teach young boys these proverbs currently, mm-hmm. like this that's work that you all do. Um, and that's uh a, a process that you all went through when you were younger as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. What do you all think is important about these, um, initiatory processes for young men, for young black men? Like what, what do you feel like it does that may be lacking for a lot of, um, a lot of black men?
1: So I think one of the important things when you look at initiation, it. You're you're being initiated, one, into kind of a group of, a set of knowledge, right? But more importantly, you're being initiated into like a circle of accountability, right? Because the people who trained me, the people who taught me what I know, I'm accountable to them. They can come to me and tell me, Kweku, you are not doing what you're supposed to do. You know how you were trained and taught. And so they, they can reprimand me and I have to listen. They're my, what we call, they're my teachers, they're my elders and so on. And so I'm I'm accountable to them. Some of them are by my, uh, the people I've trained with. I'm I'm accountable to them as well. The people who've trained me, whether it be my father, other you know men and women in the community who have trained me, I'm accountable to them. For the rite of passage process, we're accountable to a group of men. For us to, they can come to us and be like, uh, "I detaya uh, you are not doing what you are supposed to do, mm-hmm. right?" If S- if Sabor messes up. I know you won't mess up ever, but if someone messes up in his marriage or anything like that, the men can come to him and be like, yo, what are you doing? Right. And we're all, we also have, because of this, because everything is balanced, we have a group of women that we can go to and th- that we're held accountable to as well. And so there's balance in what we do. Um, and so to me, the knowledge, yeah, you get that, you know, all the skill sets, yes. But to me, one of the most important things is the circle
2: of accountability that you're initiated into. Mm. That's a powerful point. Yeah, yeah. Accountability is definitely something that's lacking in some spaces. Like some communities I've gone to like, you know, just in, in in dating and meeting people's families, you know, just growing up. Like there's some families I've gone to where like the men meet all the time and they have those circles of accountability and they will check each other. But I think by and large, that's something that could be missing. So I, I absolutely agree. The accountability needs to be there. Um, but then also I think that like, Traditionally, in a lot of cultures, and this is not just African cultures, manhood and womanhood is not an accidental thing, right? So I think that in America, we kind of live in a cultural melting pot, so we don't exactly live under the banner of one particular culture, you know, and that has its pros and cons. But if you go to a society that has a particular a particular culture and set of standards, what it means to be a man, there's a specific, like, definition in terms of what it entails, right? So it's like, if it's like, yo, as a man, your responsibility is to be a protector, As a man, your responsibility is to, I can't think of anything random, like you build the drums, you cut down the trees, you plow the farm. Whatever your responsibility is, those societies have to have processes to take boys into that role of what manhood is. And so I'm not saying that everybody has to fall into one in this community, but I think that there should be some tenets and some standards. So if it's like, yo, as a man, you have to protect the people in the community or as a man, you represent discipline. You represent patients, you know, so you, you, you may see a lot of young boys who don't necessarily are not necessarily in control of their emotions. You know, we as black people, we have a lot of trauma. So you may see a lot of young boys experiencing these strong emotions associated with trauma. And sometimes those emotions and that rage can hurt the people around them. You know, so I think that that process that socializes them into these standards for what a man is, is very important. In addition to the accountability,
0: mm-hmm. I'm curious as to what you all think that manhood is based in your respective traditions. How would you define mm. manhood for yourselves?
1: I mean, for me, the, the the primary thing I would say I would say manhood is balance. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, for me, like that's that's how I'm taught. It's just it's balance. You can't you can't be too much of this, too much of that. It's a it's a it's a balance as you move through things, and so. When you look at it as balance, when you come to a situation, you can figure out what you need to do, how you need to move, because you look Okay, what's the balance here that I need to find. So you get into a relationship. It's not just, oh, I, I'm the one who needs to do this, that, and the third, everything. It's no, what's the balance that occurs here? How do I find that balance? You still make sure you protect and you, you know establish a perimeter or whatever, but the more important thing is what is the balance that's occurring here and how do I ensure that this follows through? you know, different uh, challenges that we'll meet and so on. So to me, it's it's, the the foundational tenet is balance.
2: I mean, the only thing I would add to that is I think that it's changed depending on what stage I'm in in life. So I think that growing up as a child, when I wasn't out of the house too much, it just meant being responsible around the house. It meant being a good brother, being my brother's keeper, being someone they can lean on. As I started to get to high school, I don't have the responsibilities of being a family man and the rest of that stuff. But it's, yo, can my brothers and my sisters call on me, right? Can, can my sisters trust me to look out for them in basic ways, like maybe just walking someone home? Can my brothers call me when they need emotional support? they about to get into a fight. Can they call me, you know? And I think when, you know, when you start dating, it means something different. You know what I'm saying? It means giving a different level of support to people. But I think a key point is being a pillar. And so I think when I move into being a father, you know, and being a family man and stuff like that, like it means being a pillar within my household, you know, being someone, it's just my definition. Like. Creating a space, creating a safe space, you know, where your lady, your children can just thrive and just survive. And to me, that's just a beautiful thing. Like sometimes just be able to sit back and, like, yo, like, you know what I'm saying? I, I've, like, this is a space where, 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 like, cause, you know, like, like women just create and multiply. And, you know, when, when they're able to do the things that they can do, it's just so beautiful, you know? And so, like, for me, I feel like part of my role is being able to establish that safe space where they can just create it, just be beautiful and just do everything that's, you know, that's just dope, you know? And so for me, I think again, it's just like pillar, you know, like always being a pillar. I think the balance is important too. Like, I think it's like, uh, I mentioned this before in something I posted, but like as a man, use a certain fire that you have. Men and women have that fire. I think men and women both have masculine and feminine energy, but I think there's a certain fire that that, that you have that if it goes unchecked, you know, you, you can become uh, abusive, or you can become overly aggressive to your brother's, I think it's maintaining that balance, like understanding the power of that fire, that shango right. energy. Like, no, I don't need to be ruled by that all the time, you right. know, but it, it plays an important role. You know, I also can be a healer when I need to be a healer. So,
0: right. yeah. How do you see... What is my question? What could that look like for people now who may not be connected to a religion or a tradition mm. examples of how they could kind of access that same energy or process in their communities.
2: Mm. I think it, it it has to start with what he said, like, there has to be systems of accountability. So I think that groups of men yeah, can link together, you know, and establish like, yeah, this, this is the set of standards that we follow. This is what it means to be a man. Like if, 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 if being a man means that you you're diligent, you work hard, if it means that you never abuse your sisters, if it means that you are, you study and wisdom is important to you, whatever those standards look like, get a group of men together and establish those standards. Right. And then I think that uh, hold each other to those standards, mm-hmm. you know, and then just continue to grow your circle. And as, as boys come up within that, you can socialize them exactly. into that into that system of manhood. Yeah, no, I mean that's that, that, that's exactly what I was gonna say. You know, to me, that's the best
1: process. Like, I mean, our rite of passage and community that we went in—that's how it was started. Like, it started in DC, you know, because it was like during the crack crack epidemic, a lot of a lot of black boys were being taken away from the various things that were happening, and so they were like, yo, we got to do something. Mm-hmm. So, a couple of men got together. They started a rite of passage program. The next year, the women got together. They started their rite of passage program, and they, mm-hmm. together. Of course, but it's through that thing being intentional about what you're trying to do, laying out the foundation, and then building on top of that.
2: Can I can I add a point to yeah. that? I think America as a society, it's, there's no neutrality, like culturally. Like if you're not tra- if you're not training your your your, your 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 boy, your nephews, your sons, or whatever, if you're not socializing them into your definition of man, somebody's socializing them, and so the images that you see of Constant negative images of black men who are just overly aggressive, who are just like always just yeah. uh, attacking each other, who are abusive to women, who are whatever. Those are the, the, the what's on the music was dominating the music. Like I shoot niggas, I kill. Them. Like that's that's what's gonna raise your 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 children, right. you know. So right. I think that you you can't delude yourself to think that you can just let whatever happen and somebody's voice or somebody's agenda is not filtering into. You know your um the socialization process that happens for the young boys in your life exactly
0: Whew. y'all may have answered this but i'm I'm curious of how whether the rites of passage ceremony or your or the tradition that you practice how have they aided in your healing um mm. and your confidence
1: mm. so for me like i mean, I can, some stuff like we can't talk about but there they're challenges you have to face. There are tests you have to face. And so for me, in terms of my confidence, once I've gotten through that, any other challenge that comes at me in life, I'm like, look, I went through this. <laughs> I can face this. You know, I can face it. I know I got people behind me who are gonna stand by me and protect me and, and push me forward in the best manner. And so that right there, having the group of men and women who are who are surrounding you, having that community that uplifts you, it gives you you know the most confidence in the world you know um but i think going through the process i think it one it kind of introduced me to certain foundational things but to me a lot of the 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 learning and growing happened when i came back and was working with the boys because Mm -hmm. it's in that process of me now having to figure out how do i teach someone else this because it makes now you face that that question yourself okay what is this thing and so all these various the tenets of of manhood and, and this, that, and the third, you have to sit down and say, okay, what does this mean? What does it mean to be balanced? And so you have to face your imbalances in your own life and figure out, okay, how do I achieve this balance so that I can be some someone, a, represent, a representation of this to these younger boys who are coming up, you know? So for me,
2: I, I would say those, those type of things. Yeah, I mean, for some reason, there are certain moments that I remember you know, it's been like 16 years now. Certain moments, I remember certain conversations that happened. And so, you know, there's some elders. I, I'm going to mention them, uh, Baba Ajay Koto, uh, Baba Tiba, yes, that that like have just said certain, certain things in my ear that I remember. And so like, I like remember uh, an elder, Baba Ajay, he sang when I was 14. For some reason, we were doing like an anatomy class or whatever, and like a um, sexual education class or whatever. And he was just like giving me advice about how to help my wife when she's pregnant. Like, you just like, when your wife is pregnant, like, you might have to do this, this, and this. And I don't know if he could, like, see the future, but, like, who would think to tell a 14-year-old boy that? But some of those things that he said to me, when I actually had to, like, t- try to be a support system to a pregnant woman, I was like, oh, shit, this is, <laughs> this is what he said to me. And then, like, one more proverb that's, that's always said all the time is, like, the wise man takes the bitter medicine. That's oh, that, that's That's one that's just, like, Damn, even to this day, it's like, yo, like, most of the things that will help you grow the most in life, is they're going to be bitter and it's going to involve you voluntarily taking the bitter medicine and exposing yourself to that and if you if you shy away from the bitter of life you know you you're you're never going to grow and you're doing yourself a disservice so even now like with the covid thing just trying to still be a provider through covid even though some business stuff has been messed up it's like look this is not an easy road but it's a very rewarding one so i'm welcoming the bitter as much as i can so those things just stick out to me for some reason
0: hmm. So what advice do you have for people looking to connect with either of these traditions, um, specifically mm-hmm. a con Because there just hasn't been anyone to speak on it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I would first say follow our page and I give a lot of we give a lot of information about Akan culture culture um, through Proverbs. Um, if you have questions, you can reach out. Um, but there also are books that you can read as well. Is one by a man named Kwame Chiche. um G, The last name is G Y-E-K-Y-E. Kwame K-W-A-M-E. So that book is called, I think it's African Philosophical Thought. Um, and that one goes through like the foundational stuff of Akan Everything. Talks about what it means to be a person in that, in that you know, cultural system. Um, and there are some other books as well. Um, the names are slipping my head right now, but I can get them to you um, and you can add them in the comment section um, so that people can find them. But the, the the books, I think when you read that, it'll begin to help you understand, OK, what is this? Um, and in a in D.C. area, there's different shrine houses right now with COVID. A lot of stuff isn't happening, um, but there are some different temples that, you know, are, are more, a lot very welcoming to having people come in and engage and so on. So definitely follow us and
2: reach out and we can help as we can. Okay. Um, I, I think I would add something that's a little bit less practical, but it's still practical. But I think that whatever tradition you're trying to get into, whether it's Ifa, uh, kind of like there's certain things that you can start with. You know, like 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 you can start with connecting developing a strong connection to your ancestors. Like, you know, it's it's one of the first things I started doing was uh just creating a space where I had a lot of pictures and stuff, objects and everything related to my ancestors. Very important to me, it's, even though I have a lot of shrines, it's something I still go to, you know, pouring libation. You know, we, 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 we're working. We may have something coming up um, to help people with libation. But just some basic rituals like that to, to strengthen my connection with my ancestors have been extremely helpful. Because I know sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's difficult to want to connect to something but not always have a clear path. Sometimes like Your ancestors will guide you. You're doing the work of your ancestors. Yeah. I say this all the time. This, these traditions have been attempted to be stripped away from us. So as, you, as you're returning back and coming forth, so the ancestors are behind you. They support you, you know, and you're doing this work also. So their future generations, right. you know, like like we're saying, like, you know, we came up in this, but it's because of the work my father did, you know, so your future generations will appreciate you. So know that you got people in front of you and behind you. And the last thing I would say, specific to the FA tradition, is just your Ori. You know, like before you connect with any other Orisha, anybody else, you can connect with your Ori, mm-hmm. get right with yourself, be introspective you know just hold your head and pray for your own destiny you know um your own spirit so yeah
0: Yeah, i, I was just on live before i interviewed y'all and that's exactly what i was talking about over just uh, wow.
2: yeah. yep yeah. that's so, it right there
0: um all through the plug but okay i appreciate y'all can y'all drop your ads what links do you got sites how do people yeah. find you? and then also do you all do like Readings, or do you connect do you do any kind of mentorship,
2: anything like that? Not yet, not okay. yet. Still, still studying, still learning. You know, maybe maybe in a few years I'll do public uh public work and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you, if you have
1: questions about stuff, you can yeah, reach out absolutely, you know, ask us questions, and we'll help. And if we can try to push you to to someone else who may be able to you know give you yeah. that readings. That's and so true. On. That's true. Yeah. Um, so
2: yeah, but uh-huh. you can follow me at Ori uh, o-r-i-i-r-e mm-hmm. you can follow our proverb page at words from yesterday just
1: straight up um what's my page it's a quick back quick k-w-a-k-u dot b-e-k-o-e mm-hmm. yeah so
0: okay cool that will all be in the show notes for y'all watching and listening to be easily accepted Acceptable. Um, I'm so thankful to y'all. Like, this was so good. Yeah. For the wisdom and the proverbs and the words, uh, it was very meaningful to me. So I appreciate
2: y'all. Thank, thank you for having us. Yeah. I mean, we 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 appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, I think that uh, you know, we have a responsibility to uplift the tradition. I th- I think you're doing that work. You know, giving people credible information because there's a lot of misinformation out there. So I I love that you're with your own personal knowledge you're sharing I love that you're also having people on here who can share credible information so you know I hope that this continues to go really far Asha Thank share. you
0: I that and listen y'all done put your ads out y'all said people can reach out I'm trying to tell you people gonna reach out so you did, did that You go <laughs> out in the world It's a lot of listeners so just watch the DMs <laughs> so I will you do. You. all right y'all thank you so much have a beautiful day I appreciate
2: you all right you too take care
0: all you need is a little juju all right my loves thank y'all for tuning in for another episode of a little juju podcast i hope you all enjoyed and got what you needed out of today if you want to hit me up on my website you can hit me up at it's jujubay.com that is for media stuff business stuff all the things like that i don't do dear juju anymore but any type of working together sponsorships hit me up there you can also reach me on Instagram. For now, you can just reach me, reach me at a little juju podcast. But if you haven't followed me on Instagram yet, you can still just mark in your head at i t s j j b a e because that site will be up and running very soon. I just know it in my spirit. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bae. And I think that is it. I appreciate y'all. Love you ya like you was mine, honey. I love you like you were me. And um speaking hella blessings if you wishing the same for me, enjoy y'all's week. Be optimistic and remember, all you need is a little juju later.